By Gods and Kings takes place in the fictional world of Dunai. For more information on By Gods and Kings or any of the products affiliated with it, please check out our website at www.bygodsandkings.com. Rylingic locked eyes with the man in his chamber. Kathos, the representative of the Duchy of Forn, stood before him and proposed a plan that would ultimately bring harm to the Isle of Wharton. My lord, we can give you the protection you need from Xyling, but you will have to submit to our rule. Those are our only terms. Rylingic shook his head and scoffed. We will not be held to ransom by one of the duchies of Merdul. For generations we have had our independence, and we will not end it now, especially from some boy with delusions of grandeur. Kathos looked up at the sky and scoffed. Your independence is going to cost you, my lord. You need to surrender. You need to submit to the Duchy of Forn. You need to realize that the days of old are over. You can either submit to us, or you can submit to Xylene. But nevertheless, you will submit. Rylingic turned away from Kathos and looked at the back wall. He tried to collect his thoughts, though his fury was starting to build from within. Did you come across the seas just to make an old man grovel? Does it bring you joy to make a king submit? Is that your lot in life, Kathos? Rylingic's fury was building as Kathos folded his arms across his chest. His indifference was infuriating the king, but it was to no avail. He was there to deliver a message, and he had delivered it. King Rylingic Mertrand... I will bid you my leave and I will return in one week. In that time, you will need to get your affairs in order. The Isle of Wartan will join the Duchy of Forn. There is no other option. Rylingek banged his hand against the table and turned around abruptly. We will not surrender. We would much rather have suffered a thousand deaths to the hand of Xylene than to submit to your rule. Kathos unfolded his arms and placed them on his hips. Then I suppose that will have to do. I suppose Xylene will then have his naga invade. Rylingek approached Kathos with rage. For generations we have fought off Xylene's Naga, and that will not change. There are no numbers that he can send that we cannot defeat. If the Duchy of Forn seriously believes they can assist us, then perhaps they should send an army and not some boy to delegate with me. Now if that is all you have, please leave my sight. I'm sure your ship is waiting for you. Kathos turned and walked toward the door. He opened it up and exited to see both Evelis and Elise waiting on him. Thank you for your patronage, he said calmly as he walked forward. Your father is not one for reason. He's equally blind with rage as he is obsessed with tradition. The world is changing. Dunai is not the realm it was hundreds of years ago. Your father will have to change. Eblis took a deep breath and sighed. My father will never change and neither will we. We are fiercely independent and that will not ever be deterred. Kathos rolled his eyes and walked past them. Then your death will be the same as his. Eblis took a step toward the back of Kathos and looked at him with scorn. Are you threatening me, my lord? I would hate to think that a dignitary from the Duchy of Forn would be insulting the Prince of the Isle of Wartan. Kathos paused and turned around. Prince Ebelus, you can think of it as a threat if you wish. My intentions are noble and my intentions are pure. I have voiced my concerns to your father and he has sent me away. Your deaths will be on his hand. You will not be able to fight off Xylene's Naga for much longer. I give you my word. Within the year, this island will be underwater. Elise rolled her eyes and folded her arms across her chest before turning away. Ebelus kept his eyes locked on the man before him. Ebelus, it's not worth it. Let him go back to his ship and let him return to Cape Degress. We can live our lives without him. With a little luck, Scare will be done in Teardret and back with some information on how we can defeat Xylene. Kathos laughed loudly. Do you honestly believe the scholars will have any knowledge on how to defeat Xylene or what even his intentions are? Ebelus placed his hands on his hips and looked down at Kathos. Every day he sends Naga after our ships and every day we come back. While we take casualties from time to time, we still survive. We are still a sovereign nation and we are still independent, no matter what duchy comes and pays us a visit. 
Your threats are idle banter and we will not entertain them. Now please, enjoy your trip back to Cape de Grace. I hope to never see you again. Ebelus' rage was matching his father, but his ire was more directed, while Elise remained calm and focused. Kathos left the chamber, leaving both Elise and Ebelus standing alone. Do you truly believe the Naga are going to attack us anymore, Ebelus? inquired Elise. Ebelus chuckled and turned away. Every day we fight them off, and every day we still survive. I don't think they have any more they can send. Elise exhaled slowly. I surely hope not. But perhaps something must be done. The breeze blew off the ocean as Todandic stood still just off the port. He remained in the shadows while watching the boat being loaded. He noticed the flags coming from Cape de Grace, and he knew the man who was coming onto the boat. Why is he meeting with Rylagek? inquired Todandic. Todandic bit his bottom lip and tried to compose himself. He couldn't understand why Kathos was on the Isle of Orton. Meeting with Rylagek was not something that most people did. Though many emissaries would visit the island, rarely would anyone ever send someone so young. Could Kathos be going rogue? Thought to Dandik as he folded his arms across his chest and stared out at the boat. He remained in the shadows, remained hidden, so that no one could see him as he pondered. To Dandik remained calm and remained coy. He watched the dock workers surround the boat, loading it up with essentials before leaving. I need to know more, he thought. Before turning away, Xylene descended to the ground into a puddle of water. He moved slowly along the ground against the walls of the building so that he would remain hidden. Todandic was the leader of the army of Naga. He was Xylene's general, but his power as a god touch was that he could melt himself into water and become unseen. He could move slowly and silently. He could spy and acquire reconnaissance. Todandic was very gifted and very cunning. He slid along the building and moved toward the port, eventually sliding down the pier and into the water. Once in the water, he could move much quicker in the current. He made it to the boat and climbed aboard, making it through one of the portholes toward the bottom of the hull. Once inside, he reconstituted his body to take his human form. He looked around the bottom of the hull, noticing all the scraps that were about. Though this ship was fit for battle, it was not fit very well. There were a few pieces of armor and equipment used for fighting, but not much was available that was actually usable. Todandic noticed while on the pier that the ship was ready for battle. However, now that he was inside the hull, he realized that was a giant facade. The ship was not ready for battle, and instead, was only appearing as such to ward off any foes. It is like the Duchy of Forn to put on a performance, he said as he looked around. Against the wall were several chests. Without wasting much time, Todandic approached them and began to inspect them. Inside were several tomes of parchment. Todandic pilfered through them but found nothing of use. The Duchy of Forn should do more to get rid of their old manifests, he thought as he placed the documents back in the chest. With nothing else in the hole that he needed to inspect, Todandic knew he had to move forward. There was a door to the far end, but he knew he couldn't simply walk through. He had to remain unseen. He melted himself down to the floor again and moved along as a puddle. Though this time, he was not as secretive about his movements. Ships typically rocked back and forth, so it wasn't a stretch for Todandic to move about freely. The ship could simply be moving the puddle, and no one would be thinking twice. The bulk of the crew were probably idiots, and would be none the wiser to a puddle simply moving past them. Besides, if they took action, they'd have to grab a mop. Todandic moved under the door and out into a hallway, where he saw two men walking about. He listened into their conversation, but did not hear anything of value. All he heard was that the ship needed to be prepared to launch soon, else they would be detained on the Isle of Orton. He was able to deduce that Kathos upset Rylagek and the rest of the royal family. However, this did him no good. It wasn't unusual for Rylagek and the rest of the Mertrand family to become upset with the dignitaries from Merdul and the rest of Urine. In fact, it was very common. They did not take well to people who tried to push their beliefs on them. They did not take well to being told what to do. 
Kathos was bold and young, and as Tadanic believed that he was working alone and going rogue against the witches of his family, it was most plausible to believe that he did upset Radagek, and that he got nowhere in any negotiations. However, Tadanic did not know what the negotiations were. He had to move further in the ship and hopefully find Kathos, and hopefully get him to talk. Tadanic remained in his melted form and moved through the ship. He went through a few rooms and eventually entered his way into the captain's chambers where he found Kathos rummaging through several pieces of parchment. Where are those blasted plans? He screamed as he tossed several pieces of parchment off the table and into the water that Todandic was currently occupying. Why can't I find anything when I need it? The crew must be going through my things. What is going on here? Why am I not able to find this? Todandic remained in his puddle and listened intently at the squabbles of a young man. He could tell that he wasn't focused and that he was irrational, and the fact that he was blaming everyone but himself was a testament to this. This boy is petulant, mused Todandic as he remained in his puddle. He watched Kathos rummage about as one of his aides entered the room. The man was dressed just like the rest of the crew, however he carried himself with much more dignity. My lord, are you ready to depart? inquired the aide. Kathos looked at him with an abrupt glance. I can't leave until we have what we're looking for. We were sent here to find something for the lord, and if I go back empty-handed, he will send me to the stockade. The aide remained calm and blinked his eyes slowly. My lord, what were you looking for? Perhaps we can find it for you. Kathos bit his bottom lip and tried to compose himself. My father sent me here to acquire the royal gemstones of the Isle of Warton. He wanted that treasure for our collection. He thought it would fetch a high price and would gain us a little more ground in Merdul. If I go home without it, he will send me to the stockade, or worse, he will have me executed. We have to return home with it. Todandic remained in his puddle and giggled. He finally knew what he was after, and unfortunately, it wasn't anything good. Kathos was simply there on behalf of his father, so he wasn't going rogue, but instead was sent to merely steal something from the royal family. He was there to incite Rylegek into violence and somehow make out with the royal gemstones. However, he would have to still deal with Ebelus and the rest of the royal guard. Kathos's plan was terrible and it was not something that he thought through with much time or grace. Instead, he was acting irrationally. He had not planned, but now Todandic had something that would work for him. Xylene smirked while in his puddle, knowing now he had the opportunity to strike a blow at the Isle of Warton. If Kathos' ship went down in their harbor, the Duchy of Forn, as well as the rest of Orne, would take note. The Isle of Warton's sovereignty and their independence would be at stake. Without consulting his god, Todandic rose from the ground and appeared. Kathos and his aide were both taken aback by the sight, but without wasting any time, Todandic cast two large bubbles of water and surrounded them with it. Both bodies were encapsulated in water, and within seconds, both men drowned. The two bodies plummeted to the ground, with the water splashing around them. Todandic had easily killed one of the sons of the Duchy of Forn, and now he had to lower the ship into the seas. He reached into his pocket and pulled out a small conch. With a gentle blow, he summoned the Naga from the depths. With the dock workers all watching, the ship took off into sea. However, it was not being pushed by the wind or the currents. Instead, it was being pulled by several Naga. The remaining crew aboard the ship were soon to be on their way to the scales at the hand of the Naga and their leader, Todandic. Hey everybody, thanks again for listening to the By Gods and Kings podcast. For more information on By Gods and Kings, you can always visit our website at www.bygodsandkings.com. But hey, you can also find us on Twitter, at By Gods and Kings. You can also find us on Facebook and even Reddit. We look forward to giving more content to you guys. You guys have a great afternoon. We'll see you on the other side.